0: So now I know what you teachers, you wonderful teachers, go through every year, the last day of school before Christmas vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah you see I see you now, I see you now. you know there's something special about kids, there just is, and our children here are just that. they are our children, all of our children, ultimately they're god's children, and of course they're individual families, but they are our children, and we couldn't be happier. Uh, to have them, and we love moments where we can share the joy. A wonderful story of uh, your grandson. I love that so, so much. And we see the joy that the children have up here in uh, talking about their presence. We could still be going through that if we hadn't ended it, but thats um, that's, just, that's just part of the wonder and the joy and the beauty. Uh, of all of that. And these kids, they know about Jesus. They know about that baby that was born 2,000 years ago. And they know the story, and they know the songs, and isn't that a great and wonderful blessing? Um, Such a great blessing. We want to welcome everyone that's here. Welcome the ones that are watching uh, online, and we're grateful for you being a part of that. Special welcome as Galen introduced us to uh, Tommy and Kelly. Not only have they Place membership. Kelly was baptized last Monday as well, and we are so, so thankful for that. You talk about a joyful uh, person in response uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, that was such a wonderful moment for Kelly and for Tommy as they become a part of our church uh, family. Uh, Again, remember that we're on a different kind of schedule during these holidays, and so be sure and take note of that with our email announcements, our app, uh, the public announcements. We won't be meeting tonight. We will have classes on Wednesday night, an adult class study in the chapel. We'll have our children's classes as normal. We'll have a youth class in the lighthouse. So remember that for this Wednesday at 630 and, um, and then next Sunday we'll be on a regular schedule with morning and evening activities um, next Sunday on January uh, the 2nd. Um, next week we'll be starting a brand new year and that means another opportunity to read through the Bible. I'll be sharing some summary thoughts uh, a couple of times a week on Facebook as we walk through the Bible and read through the Bible this coming year. Uh, and if you want a copy of this, the Daily Bible in chronological order, edited by F. Legard Smith, I have two left. Uh, they're seventeen dollars, and if you'd like one of those, then be sure and see me uh, today, and I would love to share that uh, with you and encourage you to read through the Bible in 2022. Uh, you know, the holidays are are a difficult time, and we know that there are many who see a lot of things that are. Um, that bring that out, just as our shepherd, uh, Galen Siegler, acknowledged in our prayer time. Uh, and so we want you to know that if your heart is heavy today, uh, that our hearts are heavy with you. It is a great time of celebration, a great time of joy, but it's also a great time of missing loved ones uh, that have been lost, and also missing loved ones that may just be Uh, too ill to be around us right now. I know you'll notice in the handout that Paul Atkinson was going to lead our closing prayer. That is actually our son-in-law, Amanda and Paul, and our little grandson Isaac. Amanda especially has been in your prayers a lot over the last couple of years dealing with some special health issues, and they were going to be here this week, but they're sick in Arlington, and so uh, they were unable to join us. Uh, But one of our wonderful college students, Peter Neal, will be leading us in our dismissal prayer uh, today, and um, what a great blessing uh, that he and Autumn are to our wonderful congregation and church family here. Um, You know, the one word that that comes to mind as we think about the birth of Jesus is joy. It's just joy. We sing it, we'll sing it again uh, in a little bit, we'll mention it again. Uh, but it's just a time of overwhelming joy. And like you, I, I wish that everyone had that joy all year long. I, I'm, I'm 100% there on that. Uh, but at the same time, like Galen shared, what a blessing it is uh, that people at this time of year think about the story of Jesus. And are reminded that there was a very special birth 2,000 years ago that was celebrated like none Else is. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, Christ's earthly presence was welcomed at his birth. His earthly presence was welcomed at his birth. This is a sermon series, a short series, four lessons here at the end of this year and the first Sunday of next year, this coming Sunday. And it's entitled Welcoming Christ. Welcoming Christ's forgiveness is where it started. That story of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. Uh, Just as Danny shared earlier, uh, there's none of us that is a good boy or a good girl, a good man or a good woman, when compared with the righteous God and the call to perfect obedience. None of us measure up with that. And so aren't we glad that there came a Savior and that there is an answer to the question that's actually asked several times in Scripture, what must I do to be saved? Because of Jesus, because of what we're celebrating today, His his birth and His life, and and what we celebrate every Sunday, His resurrection from the dead, Uh, because of that, there is an answer to that question, what must I do to be saved? And it is the response of faith. Uh, to believe in this story, to believe in this Jesus, to change our lives and repent of the path we've been on, to confess that that's our faith, and to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, That is that wonderful story that we began this series with, welcoming Christ's forgiveness. Uh, Last week, we spoke of welcoming His coming. And we read and learned about the story of Joseph and Mary and what faithful obedience they both demonstrated in bringing Jesus into the world. Next week on uh, the first Sunday in 2022, January the 2nd, uh, we'll speak of welcoming Christ's return. Living this year, this coming year, in such a way that when Jesus does come, we will welcome that return. We will not be afraid. We will not be anxious, but we will welcome it because we have lived our lives with trusting, faithful obedience to him, trusting in that sacrifice that he made for us. Uh, That'll be how we end this series this coming Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. But today we speak of welcoming Christ's presence. And how I want to do this today is to read from these two great chapters in Luke 2 and in Matthew 2. They give us a little bit of insight in what happened when Jesus was born, and then make a few comments about that and share the invitation of Jesus Christ that is there at all times, whether it's a Monday afternoon <laughs> or a Sunday after church, anytime, welcoming Christ's presence. This familiar story in Luke chapter 2, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Yes, apparently Joseph and Mary were already living in Nazareth before this time, and then later they would return to Nazareth. But with this census, they are making that long trip to go to Bethlehem. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Some have said that the story of Jesus is not a rags-to-riches story. It is a riches-to-rags story. Literally, riches-to-rags. He left the very throne room of God and came into the world in the most humblest way and was clothed with rags that they could find, surrounded by farm animals, and yet the most important birth that it ever, the world would ever see. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Well, yeah, (laughs) me too, me too. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. You know, I am amazed at how many times when someone comes face to face with God or with a messenger from God that we call angels and the first thing they hear is, do not be afraid. There's no reason for us to fear. Even coming face to face with God. Because he loves us that much. And he has given everything for us in the gift of his son. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And that is the last sign they would have expected. It's a good thing the angel told them that because they would have thought they were in the wrong place. But that's our great God. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Gloria in excelsis Dea, we sing from the Latin. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And of course the angels showed up, and of course the angels did that. They couldn't hold back this moment required, called for them to come and celebrate the culmination of God's eternal plan. They're seeing it get started in the most surprising but most incredible way. And an angel comes to let the shepherds, some of the poorest there, the working people there, The shepherds are the ones who hear from the angel. And as the angel is sharing those things, the other angels have to join in. And they sing this incredible song. And the shepherds see this incredible sight. And so, verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all all these things and pondered them in her heart, probably all her life. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told, surprisingly enough. Verse 21, on the eighth day, according to the law, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Matthew will tell us Emmanuel, God with us, taken from Isaiah 7. Jesus literally means the Lord saves. When the time came for the purification rites, verse 22, required by the law of Moses, probably day 40 of Jesus' life. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That's what poor people gave according to the law. Verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What an exciting message. I wonder how long ago he got that message. I wonder how many people he had told, and I wonder how many people, as time wore on, began to not believe him. I wonder if Simeon began to not believe. Verse 27, it happens. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, I suppose that Mary by this time is already kind of used to this because of everything that happened when he was born. But it does seem a little strange that this old man, this kind of prophet, this one that people wonder about how he's doing upstairs kind of guy, comes and takes your child in his arms Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I am ready. I'm ready. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And yet when that light is shared with the Gentiles in Acts 2, everyone is surprised and beside themselves. Simeon knew it was going to happen. He didn't quite understand exactly how it would all come about, but he knew because the prophets told them. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. She probably thought about those words a lot in the years ahead as well. Verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84, or was a widow 84 years. Either way, she was an older woman who had lived most of her life by herself. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Matthew also gives us a few stories about this one they named Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, traditionally wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who had been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, Herod the Great, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law or scribes, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, quoting Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. From Micah 5. Where is this child supposed to be born who's going to be the Messiah? Herod asked, they say, well, the Bible says... In Bethlehem, in Judah, not very far from Jerusalem. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. Not, we know. Verse 9 After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Probably not where Jesus was born. This could happen anywhere from perhaps uh, several days to a few weeks. Some have even suggested a couple years. I doubt that. But still there um, in Jerusalem at a better place. uh, Still not their home. But still there. And we, yes, we have a nativity set in our house. Yes, we have one up all year long. Yes, it's got the wise men there (laughs) at the manger. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. We know they did come. Were there three of them? Maybe. Were there two of them? Possibly. Were there five or ten of them? Could be. We don't know. We just know there was more than one. And we know they gave these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I wonder sometimes exactly how much Joseph and Mary needed those things. We're thankful to get them. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child, not to worship him, but to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. For centuries the Jews thought he was talking about... Moses' day, which was true. But today, now they see there was another fulfillment as well. Verse 16 When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, just trying to make sure he got the right one. In accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. A terrible, horrible tragedy in the midst of all the incredible great joy that was going on in heaven and on earth. The slaughter of the innocents. (sighs) Probably not a lot of boys two years old and under in Bethlehem at this time. But enough To mourn. We can't imagine losing any of them. And yet Herod's cruelty knew no bounds. Well, what about this story? This riches to rags story? A few things this morning reflecting on these words. First of all, Christ's presence was welcomed with praise. His presence was welcomed with praise. Worship is the right way to welcome Christ's presence. That's the right response, worship. We saw it in the angels. we reminded of it in these wonderful songs that Gary has led today. We saw it in the shepherds. We saw it in Simeon and in Anna. We saw it in the magi, the wise men. And we've seen it in others as well. Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3 and 4. Isaiah in the presence of the Lord in Isaiah 6. The triumphal entry of Jesus. Thomas reflecting after the, ascension, or after the resurrection, my Lord and my God in John 20. What would otherwise be blasphemy worthy of death? For Thomas, it was the right and appropriate worship of the Son of God. Christ's presence was welcomed with praise. Worship is the right way to welcome Christ's presence. Secondly, the praise at Christ's presence came from hearts filled with joy. Hearts filled with joy. Anna, Simeon, the shepherds, the magi, the angels. And we're reminded of Paul's words in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Paul was in prison as he wrote those words. Many of the ones he was writing to were being persecuted by the government authorities of the Jews and the Romans. And yet, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Why is that? Because just as Satan could not keep Jesus from being born, could not keep Jesus in the tomb, Satan cannot take away our joy because whatever external circumstances are going on, our joy comes from that one born in that manger that day. Our joy comes from that one who died on that cross and as the book of Hebrews tells us, it was for the joy set before him that he endured all of that pain and shame and suffering. The praise that Christ's presence came from hearts filled with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. And then thirdly today, Christ's presence gives us a lasting peace. Christ's birth reveals the earthly presence of the Prince of Peace. Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, are these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I realize that in Isaiah's day, some of these words could be attributed to a king that would come in his lifetime or shortly after that would deliver the people of God from those who are seeking to harm them. I get that. But there's no one that fulfills these words like Jesus. Ultimately, there's no one that is that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, that everlasting Father, that Prince of Peace. Throughout the end of the Gospel of John, we are reminded of this. Jesus saying, I've told you these things in John 16, so that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Time and again, throughout that time he spends with his disciples, he says, I've told you these things so that you can have peace. You're going to have a lot of difficulty, but you can still have peace. When he appears to his disciples after his resurrection, he tells them, don't be afraid, and he tells them, peace. Be with you. Christ's presence gives us a lasting peace. Christ's birth reveals the earthly presence of the Prince of Peace. So, as we close today, we join the faithful in welcoming Christ's presence. We're glad that he was born. We're glad the world celebrates it. We join in that celebration today, celebrating the coming of the Prince of Peace, welcoming Christ. Presence into the world. We join the faithful in welcoming Christ's presence. And we join the faithful in welcoming Christ's return. Just as he came that night in Bethlehem, he will come again. And you won't need angels to appear to tell you about it. You won't need a star to point the way. Everyone, everyone will know beyond any doubt. He has returned. And as I said, we'll share that this coming Sunday. We join the faithful in welcoming Christ's presence. We join the faithful in welcoming Christ's return when it happens. We join the world in living and saying and singing as we've done today. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive its king. Let every heart prepare him room. And let heaven and nature sing. This morning, if we can help you be closer to this Prince of Peace, come as we stand. Sing our song together.